Hello, my friend. Are you a superhero in disguise, tirelessly juggling the needs of everyone around you while you put your aspirations and future on the back burner? Well, you're not alone, and you've just landed in the perfect spot. Welcome to the third season of Surviving to Thriving, the podcast designed exclusively for phenomenal women who are ready to take back their lives. I'm your host, Janessa Durrani, a wife and mom to two crazy teen boys. I combined my 30 plus years of experience in design and personal development to help women create lives they love inside and out. So get ready to laugh, learn, and leap into a life where you are the leading lady, not just the supporting role. It's time to trade surviving for thriving. Let's go. Several weeks ago, I started one of my podcasts by saying that I had met my husband in an AOL chat room and kind of teased around the story and didn't actually share the story and said I would do that at a future date. And here we are. I figure this is a week where everyone is up to their eyeballs and doing all the things, getting ready for Christmas for those that are celebrating. And so you might just need like a 10 minute break to just have a story. And so I want to share you my story about how I met my husband in an AOL chat room in 1997. So back in the day, I worked as a corporate interior designer. As you know, that was my dream job. I had moved to Boston in 1994. And when I first moved to Boston, I moved in with these two cranky women who were much older than me. They were like 35. And I was, what, 23 years old and as green as green can be. And I lived in an apartment in East Boston, which is, in essence, where the airport is. And they didn't talk to me. They had weird cats. And every night, my windows would just rattle every time a plane took off. And about... Six months into living in Boston, one of my, a woman from my hometown who was coming to Boston as a visiting nurse and decided to stay, got a two-bedroom apartment. Her daughter and I had gone to high school together. We were good friends. And she offered me an apart- one of the rooms in her apartment And it was an amazing situation because, A, she was nice. She, too, had a cat. And, but she didn't charge me the full amount of, like, half the rent. And she worked nights. I worked days. So we, it was like I had my own apartment without ever having my own apartment. The other great thing is I had zero money and she had money. And so she had a computer. So this was when... The internet and email and messenger and so forth was just coming out. And so in 1996, I was home one night because I had, I was sick. And so all my friends were out and about and it was in October of 96 and I had nothing to do. And I was like on AOL and they had this thing called Digital City Boston. And it was like a classified ad for 
you know, like used to be people would put classified ads in the newspaper. This was this version online. So I placed an ad saying that I was looking for meeting people, so on and so forth. I so, so, so wish I still had that ad. I don't remember what I said. I'm sure in my mind, I can tell you that I was very funny. And so I put it out there on a whim, went to bed, didn't think anything of it. The next day, I woke up to 60 responses to my ad and was kind of overwhelmed. I had not dated. I had not had a lot of experience. I had no idea like who these people were and so forth. It was like, what have I just done? And to make things more complicated, my mom was visiting the next day. So I'm trying to respond to all of these ads and entertain my mom without telling my mom that I have just kind of put myself out into the interwebs for all of these people and so forth. So I had to tell her because I couldn't keep this up and so forth. Trying to respond to all these different people was really hard. And after the shock of it wore off, she then kind of got into it. So we made, not in Excel, but in the concept of an Excel spreadsheet, but on paper, kind of a graph, and it had all of the usernames, because no one used their real names, everyone had like a handle, their handle, and then I would try to find out as much information about them when I was going back and forth um, in Messenger. So I then put eye color, hair color, where do they live, and their profession. Oh, and how tall they were. So I had to find out some way to kind of take these 60 down to a more manageable number. And so I'm from Iowa and I grew up Catholic. And for me, the ideal was a blonde hair, blue eyed, maybe Lutheran. Okay. And so I dropped off all of dark hair, dark eyes, which in Boston with all the Italian, that's kind of everyone. So it that took this the list down considerably. Um, if they lived with their parents, that also came off the list. Also, that is a very prominent thing in Massachusetts or in the Northeast, at least back then. And also, I worked in design and we worked with engineers all the time and engineers were like, oh, they just were so annoying. So I took off all engineers. So no dark hair, dark eyes, and no engineers. And yeah, please don't live with your parents. And so that made it more manageable number. Started going back and forth, talking on the phone. I would meet up for coffee. You meet up for once and you're like, yeah, that's not going to work out and so forth. So this went on. I met a million people, some of which became friends, some of which I dated, so on and so forth. And at the same time, one of my friends from where I was working at my design firm was also going down this kind of internet dating thing. And she is of short stature and I am of tall stature. And so for her, she wanted a boy that was more her height and I wanted a boy who was taller than me. And so if someone approached us, because then we would also hang out in chat rooms. And for those who are young, 
I don't even know how to explain it. You go in there and people are, it's just like, people are just talking to each other. And there's sometimes it was a topic and it was benign. And so if someone approached her or myself, our first question is, how tall are, how tall are you? And if they were tall and they had come to her, she would send them to me. And if a short boy came to me, I would send them to her. And so in April of 1997, so I have now October, November, December, January, March, April, six months in, I was um, one of my friends directed someone to me that was too tall for her. And we started chatting and we chatted back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And by this time, if someone said something to me, I would be like, oh, you want to talk on the phone? And then as soon as you talk on the phone, you know, like, is this worth um, meeting? And then you'd have coffee and you'd be done. Like you could go through people pretty quickly. So, but this individual, I only emailed with from April until October. And it was like, we talked about everything and nothing all at the same time. So, but there was just something about him that made me like, it was a connection that was unlike the others and all the others. It was like, again, email, phone call, coffee, done. Um, and we had not met. So my mom came to visit again. She used to come every October because she loved, loved, loved the autumn, like all the leaf peeping. So she came the next October. We were in Rhode Island that year. And so we were sitting at dinner and she was like, so how's the internet dating going? And I'm like, I met my husband. She's like, what do you mean? I'm like, his name is Sam and I met him online. I haven't met him in person, but I know I'm going to marry him. And she was like, how do you know? I'm like, I just know. There's just something about him, right? Now, this is back in the day where you couldn't really, um, you didn't have profile photos, so on and so forth. We had at some point exchanged photos, a photo that I had to take to Kinko's and have them put it onto a floppy disk. Well, it was a hard disk, not floppy, a hard disk and sent it. He had sent me a picture, but it was very far away. So... Finally, he called me and left a message at my workplace. And I was like, oh, my goodness, he has an accent. Like, totally any visualization I had of this person, no clue. It was now out the window. We then talked on the phone. And as it turns out, I had really thought he was just a very poor um, typer, but as it turns out, English is his second language. And he is, or he was, this individual was um, from Pakistan. And all of my my mind is like reeling. Like, I was going to marry this man. He is not a blonde-haired, blue-eyed Lutheran by any stretch of the imagination. And so we set to meet on November 15th of 1997. And I went to, I took the train to where he lived, which was a very, very long way from where I lived as, in terms of train schedules and so forth. And 
He was like, how will I know it's you? And I'm like, oh, I'll be wearing all black. And so I get off the train and there's a woman walking out ahead of me who is in all black from head to toe. And she was like a looker. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to be so disappointed when he sees me because that is not me. So I came out and as I said, for now, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, six months, we have been talking every day about all sorts of subjects. I really like, I feel like we had talked about everything, but clearly not anything of importance because I didn't know he was a Muslim from Pakistan and so forth. So he picks me up and we go to Route 1. For those that are in Massachusetts, we went to Waylu's for dinner, which was a huge, gigantic Chinese restaurant. And had, I don't even remember, had um, dinner. And then we went to a Mr. Bean movie. So if you're not familiar with Mr. Bean, he is the character of Rowan Atkinson. And I don't even know how do you explain him. He is like a very um, physical um, actor. I would say he's kind of a a very quiet Jim Carrey of England. And... And it was a funny movie, but Sam has such a um, such a huge, huge laugh that he laughed so hard that then everyone in the theater, I think, was laughing at how much he was laughing. Like, so everyone, it was a very joyous um, movie. And on that first night, we talked about getting married. So as I said to my mom, I'm going to marry this person. We now have to reconcile. And I've written about this also recently about having to reconcile this concept of I am Catholic, you are Muslim. How does this work? Um, we, I really picture it then and now as a Venn diagram of what do you believe? What do I believe? Where are the overlaps? And what are the things that either of us would have to kind of suspend or let go of, and so forth. And so we really talked about how this could possibly work going forward. Um, I also found out on that night that he had been dating someone during those six months and so forth, which is why it took him so long to actually call me and so on and so forth. Um, And, but when I tell you that we have been inseparable ever since, like haven't spent a day apart. I mean, outside of like now, like if we go away on business and so forth, but then we had not. And so that kind of blows up a lot of people's minds. So there's this concept of how could I go from, this was my picture. So last month, last week we talked about Um, using visualization for finding success, right? And so in my mind, my mind's eye, I had always pictured myself with someone just like myself because that was the norm. And that was never a true visualization. It was just what it was supposed to be. Where I grew up, you grow up, You pick someone from the community, you get married, you have kids, you stay there, and you continue, you kind of 
continue the line. I had left. So I had already kind of bucked the system. But there was that piece of, okay, I am Catholic. I must marry Catholic. I am blonde. I must marry blonde. I must, you know, this is how everyone else does it. This is how I need to do it. And in that moment of coming to this realization that this person is someone that I connect with on such a huge level and that that feeling of needing to conform was lesser than what it would be like to actually go forward and explore what this relationship could look like. So that is a case where I had not truly, I had visualized kind of, this is why also in the visualization podcast, I talk about how we don't want to just visualize the getting of it, but the impact that it has on you. So the impact of having someone who is absolutely in my corner, who thinks that I am so, so funny, who is so into family, extended family, and so forth, who is so, 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 so kind. All of those things, that's the impact. That's what truly don't we all want in a partner is to have them make an imprint on us as opposed to just someone to stand next to us. And having that little cute visualization of the, the, the cake topper. So in any case, that is the story of how we met. It was not easy from that point on because he is Muslim, as am I now. Um, and so there was this, you know, again, I talk about push and pull. There was, you know, this is the relationship. This is what we want. And as much as I was able to kind of suspend this, well, this is the way it was. I was supposed to find my mate. And my family was so accepting, like never. That's always the big question. How did you like get your parents to be okay with you marrying a Muslim and or converting? And it was never, ever, ever. My family is amazing in the fact that it was never. And if it was a question, it never was verbalized to me. That being said, I did take up my, the first time I took Sam home, I took him home for my my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary, and it was a pig roast, which if you know anything about Islam, you do not eat pork. And so my aunt had made, like brought a chicken breast to make for him, and I overheard her in the kitchen. She was like, I'm making this for um, Janessa's boyfriend. He's Jewish. I was like, eh, close enough. Um, clearly not close enough, but in a world where... Everyone is of a Christian faith at that time. This was huge. They didn't know, and they didn't know what they didn't know, but they know that he adored, they adored him. And I talk about, um, about six years ago, my grandfather um, was failing and he was kind of in hospice at home. And we went home to visit and we walked in and he was, he was, his memory had gone and we walk in and we had not been there. It was myself, Sam and my two boys. 
and we hadn't been home in a year. And my grandpa was like, Sam, he didn't remember me, but he remembered Sam. And that is, and that just gives me goosebumps. He makes an impression. And so thus, my family has always been very accepting. In the end, his family has always been accepting of me. But it took him a really long time to be able to kind of introduce me to his family. His family, his father at the time was living in Pakistan, as were all of his siblings. Um, And so we've had to kind of navigate this kind of bringing together. And there's still Zane's, um, my oldest, his college application essay. While I have not read it, I know that the premise of it is this idea that he is always, he wants to go into peacekeeping, this idea of kind of always bringing in, kind of towing the line between his Pakistani family and his Iowa family. And how does that work? And what is it like to have the kind of um, the traditions and the expectations of a high-performing kind of Southeast Asian father to kind of this more liberal, like, woo-woo, you know, Catholic-raised mother, um, and so forth. And so that's how we met, and that's how this all started. Now it's been 26 years since that first evening. Our first date is Zane's birthday. So we had been, by the time we had Zane, we had been together eight years. So I always just... His um, birthday, he just had his 18th birthday, so it's 18 plus 8. It is not easy to spend 26 years with another person and co-parent. Co-parenting has been by far the hardest part. Hardest part. If it was just the two of us for this whole time, easy peasy. But... Having to kind of always go back and forth on like his upbringing and my upbringing were so completely different. And so thus how we approach parenting is is hard. It's different. Um, And one of the things that or one of the kind of pastimes that Sam and I share is that we love the amazing race. We would never be able to be on The Amazing Race. We wouldn't make it the first day. Like, we have some driving control issues and navigational issues. That's a other, That's a whole other story. Um, but we have seen every single episode two times. Once when it was on originally, and we've now watched all the episodes thanks to all of the streaming channels. But most recently in this current Um, season, there was a couple who were high school sweethearts who said that they had kind of gone to hell and back and how they came to the realization. She was like, our relationship improved once I realized that love isn't a feeling, it's an action. And that just gave me goosebumps. That has given me so much, like that is kind of the whole thing. Like, I feel like, you know, when you first meet someone, there's this like you see them and you your heart stops or it does a flutter or you're like, can't wait to see them. And oh, my gosh, to be able to spend time with them. And truth of the matter is, 26 years in, that's not how I feel. So but that there are times when we just want to both 
pull our own hair out and each other's because this just is hard. But the concept of being able to actively choose to love an individual, and this goes with my children as well. There's some days when I'm like, I have to actively want to love you because you are driving me absolutely insane. So there is no moral to this story. I do love telling this story. Um, but so that's purely why I'm here. And of course, my thought was this was going to be a quick story. And it's my average podcast length is about 23 minutes. And that's where we're at. So I hope you have a wonderful holiday season. I would love, 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 love for you to tell me your story. I would love to know how you met your partner. And my email is always, always in the show notes. So I hope you have a great holiday and I will see you on the other side. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Surviving to Thriving. Remember, you're not alone in this adventure and I'm here cheering you on every step of the way. If you found value in today's episode and want to stay connected, make sure to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast platform by subscribing. You'll never miss an episode filled with practical strategies, my quirky stories, and of course, a few laughs along the way. And hey, let's spread the word together. If you're loving what you're hearing, I'd be incredibly grateful if you would take a moment to leave a review. Your reviews not only make my day, but they also help other incredible women like yourself find the podcast and join our thriving community. So as we wrap up today, remember that you are worth every freaking ounce of effort you put into yourself. If you need me, you can find me at Just Janessa on all social media platforms, and my email is in the show notes. Catch you in the next episode.